All right, you're back in the DFSR. It's an NFL podcast. It's Thursday, it's September 24th. I'm Doug Norrie, and over there is... James Davis. And we are coming at you with a game-by-game podcast for week three. We're going to be breaking down every game on the main slate. We did cover cash game plays in the podcast yesterday in an article that's up on the website. So go check that out in the feed. We'll nod to some of those guys, like always. Uh, just reminders that these are some of the dudes that we mentioned in the Cash Game podcast. We're going to throw some more names in there as Cash Game considerations as well. Throw some betting stuff out there uh, today. I got some mm. little little tidbits. Kind of was kind of tinkering around yesterday with some betting models and uh, found some things that are kind of enticing. Although I will say things. There was much bigger spreads um, in, in differences of our model, by the way, profitably um, from week week for week one and week two. That has kind of um, thinned out a little bit <laughs> at week three. That makes sense as more information is gathered by everybody, by all parties, um, specifically the books, that uh, that things would start to uh, just kind of get a little bit closer. That's to be expected, but I still think there are some advantages out there, so we'll talk about that as well. Got to start, though. Good news from yesterday. I had a nice little day yesterday. Um, to recording the podcast... End the podcast. Mm-hmm. I, I don't have a huge Twitter presence, as I mean, our, our our corporate account does has a nice, you know, decent amount of followers, but our my personal one doesn't. And I had like fifty notifications on my Twitter, which never happens because um, I had notifications turned off. Turns out, did you were you worried that you got like canceled, like you had done something bad? Someone found a recording of something. Well, like that you know, it's interesting. 22. Yeah, that's a good point. No, I did. I didn't have time because I figured I, in in the in, in I, basically the first thing I clicked on made me realize what it was. So. Um, yeah, we're we're part of the NFL accuracy contest for Fantasy Pros. Fantasy Pros, I'm sure you've heard of Fantasy Pros if you're listening to this web this podcast. Uh, one of the biggest just content producers of fantasy stuff podcasts in the industry. Uh, good bunch of guys too. Like I've been on their podcast a couple times with Mike Tagliari. But um, they have the NFL accuracy contest. This is the first year we actually became part of the season long accuracy piece. Um, we had done the DFS accuracy piece a few years back, then they discontinued it. So this is the first year we applied to just be part of the season-long one because we thought, hey, we project every single guy pretty accurately, and we thought we'd have a good chance to have a pretty high score in this. Turns out week two, finished first, 175 different outfits. Wow. And these are these are like the real outfit. I mean, this is like four for four. This is Action Network. This is Fantasy Labs. This is this is the Roto-Grinders. All these, all these cats are in this thing. And after the second week, we finished first overall uh, if, with the accuracy. So it felt really good about that team effort. Obviously, it went out to my personal account, but James and I, do the projections together when it comes to auditing and, and making sure you did most of these though. Let's be honest. I saw you, you you were honest with the chatters last night in our chat where you said it was a team effort, but mostly me. I'd say when it comes to the audit specifically, that was you last week. We can okay, well there you go. I'm, I, I like to be uh, I like to I'm a man of the people, so I don't want to I don't want, like I, you know I I, I I shy from glory, so I don't want to. It's okay, we don't want, we don't need the false humility, buddy. Just <laughs> so anyway, felt really good, but it's just a testament to sort of what we think. And we just know what we're doing here, and that is putting out really accurate projections, and not just for the top few guys and putting a ranking, like doing a real thoughtful analysis of, of what actually is meaningful when it comes to projecting projecting football. We, you know, we do this for basketball and baseball as well. Um, but that felt good. Uh, and by the way, I was and got got a lot of Twitter followers yesterday, uh, which felt good yesterday too, because uh, rarely does my Twitter, you know, blow up. Yeah, you know, that was that was that was the closest we'll ever get to me quote unquote blowing up. So no, man, this is the beginning of it because we're going to win again next week. Well, I was going to say, all these other guys have been in it for like 10 years. This is our second week ever when we finished first. I mean, it was we did not have as good a week in week one, so it, we're still kind of climbing the charts. But uh, yeah, I did I did, I did want to, I, I, I thought about sending a tweet out like that that was like, man, 
took two weeks. How many weeks did it take for you guys to finish first in this thing? <laughs> but uh, <laughs> but then thought better of it because we got some friends out there. And it's just never good to ruffle feathers. All right, we're going to go and talk about every game here on the main slate. Obviously, Thursday's game, uh, we're going to skip over. I, you got to be a real football diehard to do Dolphins-Jags, uh, I'll say. Uh, <laughs> Jags should be two. I will, one one oh, thing yeah. real quick, Jags. They should be 2-0 because they should have won last week. They could win here. This is why I said on, a, on the podcast yesterday, I did put a long shot bet for the Jags to just make the playoffs. It's very long. I think it's like plus 1,000 now. They have a really easy schedule, and they're really trying. Now, it's going to be hard, <laughs> but the AFC is just worse than the NFC. Uh, this division is not all that great. I, I don't know. It was. It, it struck me as I looked ahead of their schedule just at their friskiness and thought, eh, not that, you know, stranger things and all. So didn't mind that. That's really, that's that'll have me tuning into the game to now furiously root for the Jags for the rest of the year. I will say it's, it's an indictment on American society. This is a football podcast. We love football. It's an indictment on the American society that this game will get higher ratings than Lakers Nuggets game four. I'm just going to say that. I think that's it's an embarrassment. People should be ashamed. If if you're a sports fan and you want good sport, there's a better sporting event going on at that time. Yeah, fair so point. It, awesome. it is. Um, and football just draws the eye, so that's why we're gonna. That's why we talk about it. All right, let's get into the main slate. Washington goes in and plays the Browns. Browns seven and a half hmm. point favorites here. They came off the win. You know, they got stomped by the Ravens in Week One. They did beat the Bengals in Week Two. Washington football team, uh, they stink. I don't really know another way to put it. The quarterback's bad. The position players are bad. Uh, the defense is okay, um, but in, in general, not very good. The Browns, I I don't really know what to make them. I I feel like the rate getting killed by the Ravens is much more what the team actually is than the win over Joe Burrow and the Bengals. Thoughts on yeah. this game? I have no interest in anything on Washington. I do have interest in the Browns' defense here, um, but I don't know from a position player standpoint if we can kind of extract anything. Have a couple just quick stats on, on the running game, but go ahead. What, what are your thoughts here? Well, you know, they're, they're favorites. Nick Chubb last game, 23 overall opportunities. He punched in two touchdowns. You really got to pay for it at this point with Nick Chubb, which I'm not overly enthusiastic about. Uh, he's at 7,800, which just puts him in that top tier of running backs. And in spite of him having a bunch of opportunity last week, I think it's instructive to look at overall, you know, opportunity share between yeah. the running backs in a situation like this. And given that Kareem Hunt also had 12 touches, leads you to believe that this is a that Nick Chubb is a first and second down back essentially, or you know, he's going to get two thirds of the running back snaps. And that just has me off it at this price point. I think plenty of pe- and even for big tournaments, plenty of people are going to dream on, you know, the touchdown equity and all that stuff. I just don't. I don't know what I'm getting away with paying 7800 for Nick Chubb. Yeah, look, home favorites like this are usually where we want to target running backs, and Chubb did have 22 carries. It's worth noting 36. The snap count was 36 to 20, so it's like a mm-hmm. little bit less than two to one snaps uh, for him and Hunt. That's just that means you just you mentioned touchdown equity. You just ha- he just has to score multiple touchdowns to hit his upside. That's it. The, the targets and are, Hunt gets plenty of those goal line carries too. It's not like and the, it's not like a sure thing that he's going to get right. Those. The targets are gone for Nick Chubb. Like that was an early season thing last year before Hunt yeah. cleared the suspension. That instantly disappeared the second Kareem Hunt stepped foot, foot on this field for this team. So the the targets just aren't there anymore. And Hunt was, by the way, like really pretty so efficient by himself. He had 86 yards on 10 touches himself or 10 10 rushes. So um, and you're just not getting anything here away with your yeah. You're not getting away with anything here with Nick Chubb. Uh, I agree. The passing game, if they're going to air it out, I guess. I mean, Odell did lead the team in targets. This has been a consistent issue for these guys all season. I, I'm not probably all that interested i do think the game you know if the if the point spread is any indication this game is should, they should have it sort of in hand uh i don't think i'm going here too much browns defense right now we do have the browns defense in cash 
think we're going to have enough to save it. I don't love the Browns defense just in general, but Washington is just bad. I don't really know another way to put it. So it's, a, it's just a good spot from a defensive special teams standpoint. Let's keep going. Raiders go in. And- right, going the other way real quick. Oh, yeah. There is one guy on Washington that I think is worth noting um, for big tournaments is Terry McLaren. Uh, Ten targets last week. Hauled in seven catches for 125 and a touch against Arizona. Uh, if you think the Washington football team will just continue to trail, he's probably too cheap. So I don't know if you'll need to do that for cash games, but for big tournaments, uh, definitely a guy to keep an eye on. All right, That's let's it. keep. All right, yep, fair enough. Uh, Raiders go in and play the Patriots. Raiders coming off. The win over the Saints uh, last on uh, Monday night, that which um, I don't know the Saints, I, uh, they're not on the main slate, so I don't think we're going to talk about the Saints here. But they, the Saints might be have some, some some issues here. But um, the Patriots also probably could have won that game in Seattle, weren't able to pull it off in the end. The um, but Cam was a guy we did discuss at length on the Cash Game podcast yesterday. We have Cam, Cam ranked very high. I saw people projecting him for like quarter QB eight QB nine this week that is way too low uh like there's I mm-hmm. wonder if this is where we're gonna get some edge in some of these accuracy things too there's I, I think sometimes it's very difficult for people or even actually not even for people for systems in general to correct quickly on a totally mm-hmm. new situation based on priors and stuff cam is the whole team so I don't know we talked about it like I guess we don't need to re go through the cam thing here but uh cam is a guy that I have no problem starting in cash Edelman is a guy that we probably should have discussed on the pod- cash game podcast yesterday and didn't um his target share if you want to think that this is the real thing for him going forward he had 12 he had 11 targets last week and was showing some of that like Tom Brady behind center efficiency eight for 11 for 179 should we have paid more attention to Edelman on the cash game podcast like we got off the podcast and we were kind of talking about it I was like oh man we probably should have talked about it. I probably should have just written him up it's probably it's my bad because I wrote up wide receivers um I feel like Edelman is a guy that was an omission on the cash game podcast and article and I sort of I'll, I'll take the hit on that yeah I think Edelman's definitely a cash game consideration here He's in that same price range as guys like DJ Moore are arguably safer, I would say. Uh, the Patriots sitting at six-point favorites means that they can kind of lean into him as a chain mover as well. So, yeah, just a good good play overall. I don't think too much else to say here. Yeah, nice price on FanDuel in the mid-6,000s. Uh, 6,500 is right where you want to see if you think he's a double-digit target guy. That game was a little bit of a shootout. I do think that this this game kind of has the markings of that too. Raiders have been able to put up some points. Now, they... they uh, the Patriots are six-point favorites, which is where you want to like maybe target running backs, but their running game is done. I they can't do it. There is, there no, is running no running game. game. I don't yeah. know if it's because teams are more inclined to like sort of load the box to make sure Cam stays true and that's you know affects the running game, or if they just don't have a running game. But the Sony Michelle piece, James White sat out last week. That thing's done. So I I'm I'm all Cam here. I, I love it. I think the Raiders, especially on a short week, and then having to fly across, basically across the country um, is a, is probably pretty problematic for them. Uh, so uh, definitely on Cam, probably going to end up playing Edelman in cash. Nikhil Harry, what about Nikhil Harry? He had 12 targets last week. This is not a thing that was real with Tom Brady, but he was a first-round draft pick. This is a guy they they took pretty high. They want this guy to be good. He did lead the team in targets, only 72 yards, but I don't know. Is, is Nikhil Harry, like, could you see a, could you see Nikhil Harry in cash games? Like 12 targets, or is that just like too new of a thing? He's so cheap, and... It is new, but it's not that new. I mean, he did have the six targets in week one as well. The interesting thing about Nikhil Harry, from my perspective, is the receptions or yards per reception are way lower than you would imagine for what, you know, we've been told is Nikhil Harry's main skill set, which should be just putting up, you know, these big catches. Uh, Five catches for 39 yards and a fumble in week one. 
and then eight catches for 72 yards in week two. So, you know, that, that's another case where people have to adjust their priors in a number of ways, right? He's probably more efficient than people thought, but less explosive than people thought. And when that all comes out in the wash, I'm not sure. I, I will say, you know, I think he's playable. Uh, I think there are weeks, you know, buy, weeks with a lot of buys, for instance, where we'd be giving that a hard look. We just have so much value in other spots that I don't know that we'll need to take on the risk. Uh, while Harry could be great and this trend could continue or even expand, you could also just go back to week one and get six targets for 39 yards, right? right. And I don't think that's that's where you want to be in a week, which is so much value. Yeah, fair point. It's funny, actually, when you look at average intended air yards between these two uh, wide receivers, Edelman is 12.3, which is good. I mean, but it's definitely in a group of guys, and it's only two weeks, but you're in a group of guys that you really wouldn't put him with, like Allen Robinson, I don't know, Brandon Cooks, Odell Beckham. Like, you would think that those guys would just have to see average, more average intended air yards. Nikhil Harry's actually, like, the possession guy. His air, intended air yards are really short, like five, that's, which is one of the lowest in the league. So just an interesting kind of just, I don't know, look, two weeks, this, this one week can just correct a lot of this stuff. But it does speak to some of the routes that these guys uh, these guys are running. On the uh, Raiders side, we did talk about Darren Waller. He does have a questionable tag, but I think that's just coming out of the Monday night game, so I'm not so worried about that. Uh, any other interest here? Josh Jacobs. Um, the receivers we really haven't seen much from because Waller, just as we talked about in the podcast yesterday, just gets such an outsized target share on this team. Uh, anything else to like on the Raiders? Yeah, not, nothing outside of big tournament possibilities. You know, potentially rugs. You're going to get serious separation on rugs just because he's got now eight total targets through two weeks. I think that's also an instructive example of what we've talked about many, many times, which is like why invest in these guys in new situations or yeah. rookies, especially after a crazy preseason all of a sudden rugs is you know falling into waiver wires in your season long league like you just don't need to do it so i don't I hate to be like the i told you so guy sometimes in this case i'm happy to be the i told you so guy and say uh just known commodities are going to keep winning the day early in the season but yes waller uh fantastic play i think in all formats too i wonder if people had some waller fatigue after last season um and are potentially sleeping on the big start to this year yeah, uh, like I said, the only thing that concerns me here is just Vegas on the short week going across the country for an early game. That's that is tough. It's, even just a single day in the NFL makes a big difference, and that is um, that has me yeah, kind of like point. on that has me on the Patriots defense a little bit here too. Don't love it for yeah, a like bet. I don't love it for a bet, but I could if I was going to do anything here, it would definitely be the New England minus five and a half because um, I just think and I, actually it's up to six now. Um, I just think that. I do think that the the Patriots are a really a really pretty decent team here with the offense, and that's just a tough travel. All right, Rams go in and play the Bills. This game has started at minus three for the Bills, down to minus two and a half. Josh Allen has been one of the darlings here this season. He may be the highest scoring fantasy quarterback. Um, I'll double check that for DraftKings standards. Um, I'll, while I look that up. We did not talk about Stephen Diggs. It's another guy. We kind of got off the podcast yesterday. And we're like, eh, you know, Edelman and Diggs are, again, two guys we probably should have talked about in terms of target share. Now, you mentioned, we talk, you know, we talk about guys in new situations and how quickly we're willing to change our ideas mm -hmm. about or we'll be willing to solidify our ideas around, you know, new quarterback, specifically new quarterback wide receiver situations. We just talked about that with Edelman and Harry. We went the other way, obviously, with Ruggs. Although, you know, that's a rookie situation, too, which adds another piece of, you know, just an element of, of things to consider. Yes, Josh Allen is the top overall points per game DraftKings player on the season so far. Um, the Allen Diggs thing, I mean, is this something that we should be exploring in cash just because of what 
they've been doing. I mean, specifically Allen. He's got 75 rushing attempts. I mean, maybe the six touchdowns, the zero interceptions is something that's not going to really hang around too long. But what are your thoughts on this situation? Because for sure, we're going to be able to pay up the quarterback this week. Yeah, so the Diggs thing, I do think it's worth adjusting some of our priors there. Um, you know, when wide receivers change teams, it's one of the great enigmas in the NFL because basically everything changes for them all at once. Uh, it's not just one variable at a time. So they change quarterbacks, they change schemes, uh, they change who the teammates they have are, right? So how much of the coverage can get thrown their way and, uh, and other things too. So with Diggs heading to Buffalo, it sure looks like this is a big improvement over his situation last year. And I think for Allen, like he's just found a shiny new toy. Uh, I do worry a little bit about John Brown. You know, it's kind of like just from on a personal level, I feel like John Brown was in this role, but it's kind of like, like you ever like date someone and you guys break up and it turns out that they're dating someone new and you're like, oh, but I bet he's like, you know, he, so, and then you see, you're like, and that guy's like a little better looking than me. Like, okay, but I bet he's not as like smart as me. It's like, no, it turns out he's actually like, you know, he's got a 4.0. He's like, yeah, but is he athletic? Oh yeah, he's on the football team too. You're like, oh cool. So he's just, just like me, but better in every conceivable way. I feel like that's right. Diggs right now compared to John Brown, where it's like, he's just a, a rich man's John Brown. And so I don't know where that leaves John Brown in the hierarchy. Uh, Brown did have 10 targets in week one that dipped down to six targets. His role kind of flipped with Diggs in week two and um nice problem to have in buffalo i mean not many teams can boast two really significant deep threats it's going to pose problems in coverage but i'm kind of off john brown for the big tournament thing and kind of leading into digs even though uh, he'll be a chalkier option but yeah for cash game purposes I'm, I'm into digs i think i think you can go there uh anytime you're trying to compare apples to apples at wide receiver i'll take possession guys for cash unless the value is just absurd and so you know, if I had to decide between Diggs and Edelman, let's say, I'd probably go with Edelman. But I think he's a playable option for sure. Yeah, you know, the the issue with Diggs here and, you know, just that for this game specifically is he's just set to probably draw Jalen Ramsey's shadow coverage. So if you want to bounce back week from, from John Brown or if you're worried about the Diggs thing in cash, the Ramsey thing is... A, is definitely a real problem. Yeah. Like if you and if you want to like find a reason to maybe talk yourself out of the play or maybe to swap it back where there's just going to be better looks here for John Brown is that if Diggs is just covered by one of the very best, if not the best cover cornerback in, in, in football at this point, and he's going to get him the entire game, then there's opportunity elsewhere. And so that's that's the way to just kind of flip it and go the other way. And by the way, you know, our system has this built into it, like this kind of this coverage aspect. And it really takes Diggs, all of Diggs' targets to get him into cash games, which is one of the reasons it didn't like show up exactly as like a cash game play to start, if that makes sense, right? Like you have yeah. to go to like the you have to go to the upper the upper tier on his target share to really have him overcome the Ramsey thing. Which is so anyway, just trying to give you a little give everyone out there a little view into how we kind of parse this stuff together. So don't mind the bounce back thing here. You can't look at the Buffalo running game anymore. Buffalo's running game is Josh Allen. That's the way a lot of these teams are going with their quarterbacks, which is really interesting. The really good quarterbacks. You'll notice that just the more and more teams say, "Why would you get the ball out of your hands?" I like if you just you you keep the ball, like you do whatever needs to be done. And we're <laughs> seeing this more and more uh, with these teams that just have these uber athletic quarterbacks. Josh Allen is definitely one of them. On the Rams side, uh, talk to me about the running back situation because there's some injury stuff there. Daryl Henderson sort of emerged last week. This is a team that for sure just wants to run the ball. They have completely flopped. They are running the ball so much this season. Their pass-to-run ratio is like 60-40 to 40 or something like that. I was yeah. looking this up. Um, what are your thoughts here on the running back situation? I do think there's maybe some injury stuff here. Yep, big time. So I'm preparing our injury article 
for week three right now. And this is a key one to keep an eye on, although perhaps not for cash games, but um, the basics of it is that both Brown and Akers are suffering with their own injuries right now. Uh, with Brown, it's a finger issue, uh, which he played through last week, but it seemed to limit his opportunity, and he's been very limited in practice so far this week. And Cam Akers is having a ribs issue and also wasn't getting that much time on the field anyway. So it just kind of seems like he's just not fully healthy. And if both of those guys were to sit, that would really open up a door for Daryl Henderson Jr. And uh, Henderson last week, 12 carries, 81 yards, and a touchdown, while also getting three targets and turning those into two catches for 40 yards. So just great production, uh, much better than either Brown or Akers was delivering in the first place. So you could really see him move into this RB1 role. We know the Rams in the past have been one of these teams that is happy just to hand the ball to one guy repeatedly if it's working. So uh, Henderson right now at sub 6,000. Uh, if we get news on both Brown and Akers going into Sunday's game, it's a weird spot against Buffalo. You know, this is not, you know, some rollover defense that they could just run in and hand it off 27 times to and feel good about. Uh, do you think Henderson would be even a cash game play for us if both Brown and Akers were to sit? Oh, if they were both to sit, definitely, definitely, hundred okay. percent. He would be he'd be a cash game play. Um, not a cash game play with one of those two guys around. There, there's just simply even if Akers was like playing. Akers had three carries last week. Yeah, I thought that I thought he got removed mid game because of the injury. I, I will say about one thing about Henderson is that the they wanted to play him. The reason he didn't play that much in week one is because he barely practiced at all in the preseason, and they were kind of just they were, it was like a load management thing. That was a reported thing. They he is the guy. I think that their plan is for him to be the guy eventually. Um, I'm just concerned that if if all three are there, definitely not. If two are there, then we'd be looking at like this, you know, Jarek McKinnon thing, which we're gonna get to in the 49ers. I, that, it's close. I don't know. Yeah. I, um, two and a half point dogs to Buffalo doesn't. Um, real quick on the betting angle, this game started at 45, betted at 45. I wrote it up as a bet on the over at 47 and a half. There is um, this game wow. has just done nothing but climb. I know that the Rams have wanted to just kind of ground grind the ball out. I think that's going to be tough here. This Buffalo def- this Buffalo offense wants to play fast, and they both the both these teams are top ten in average plays run per game already this season, and that's with the Rams running the ball a lot. This is game. Um, so anyway, had it at forty five. You're not getting it there anymore. Go up to forty seven and a half. Still like it there. I think we had the game at like fifty one or something like that. It was it was well over the over. So um, and real quick about over unders. This or Brock is going to go long today, but the. Uh, so far, it's been, it, the over/unders been going up every week uh, from Vegas. They're they're just kind of steadily climbing as Vegas realizes that like offenses are such an advantage coming out of this thing. And there's just at six already, even with it climbing to the first two weeks, sixty-seven percent of the overs have hit so far this year. Now the average over/under has climbed this week up like a whole point and a half. So there's been a massive adjustment on that end of it, and I still think there's some value on these overs. Like these games. On these dynamic offenses where the teams are relatively intact from the season before, there's real advantages. And I know that the Rams and Dallas fit that bill and did not go over Sunday night. But whatever. We look past that. All right. Let's uh, keep moving. Oh, actually, anything else on the Rams here? We have Cooper Cup, Robert Woods. I don't know. We're going to end up probably going long today. But um, they've been running the ball so much. I, this is a game that could flip that. But uh, any any interest in the wide receivers? Yeah, if they fall behind, you could see a big Cooper Cup game. I don't, it's certainly nothing you need to consider for cash games. And I guess it's worth throwing out the usual caveat that if there are guys who you don't think will have big ownership, they're big tournament viable, you know, like <laughs> as you're going deep. Uh, as long as the guy can conceivably be the highest points per dollar guy at his position on the day, he's worth a look. And I think that both Woods and Cup fit that bill. All right, we're going to take a quick break, and then we'll be back to keep rolling through these games. 
All right, San Francisco goes in and plays the Giants. This one is an absolute injury mess. Uh, the Giants yeah. um, obviously lose Saquon Barkley for the year. They just signed Devontae Freeman. I don't think that he's going to see too many reps this week, but it's the Giants. Who knows? Sterling Shepard's also been ruled out for the year, uh, or is on, at least on IR for the Giants. So that's the end of his season. That's you know two two of their top five position players. I mean Barkley's. They're not they're not in the same league, but I'm just saying just the guys that walked into the season as starters. And then on the San Francisco side, we talked about this at length yesterday, but uh, obviously Raheem Mostert and Tevin Coleman are both out. And then we get news on from I was reported through the San Francisco Tribune. I got to look who said the Chronicle. It, yeah. The Chronicle said that the expectation. I can't believe this. this is a freaking football. This is like hashtag football all over it because it said that the the expectation is that Jeffrey Wilson is going to get the the share of the carries, not Jarek McKinnon. Jeffrey Wilson, who's been on the team for years, kind of like rotating between the practice squad and uh, the the full roster. What do we make of this? Because McKinnon was like a total kind of lock for us in cash, and I think he was yeah. he was on his way to being total chalk too. I never know how much people read this kind of stuff or how much they take from it, but this one had me really concerned. And I get it's only one writer, and I get maybe it's speculative, but is that one writer and that one piece of speculation enough to have you butt-clenching a little bit on McKinnon here in a way that we just weren't at all you know, 24 hours ago? I know. Well, you'd think that when you lose the top two running backs in a situation, that the guy who was third and good and that they went out and signed rather than this random practice squad guy would step in and inherit the role. You know, the, the thing about McKinnon that's been kind of interesting throughout his career is he's shown signs of explosiveness, but every team he's been on has not considered him to be an every down back, right? And right. so maybe the 49ers just see him the same way, you know, see him as a change of pace guy off the bench, you know, catching balls in long yardage situations and keeping defenses on their toes, but not a guy that they want to line up with on first and 10. And if that's the case, it's going to be really troubling. Uh, on the flip side, this is about as good a matchup as you could possibly imagine with the Giants just flailing right now with all their own injury issues uh, with both Barkley and Shepard, arguably their two best uh, skill position guys going down and just an anemic on both sides of the ball, essentially. So you could like you could envision a game where San Francisco, also with a backup quarterback, runs the ball 35 times, right? right. Like that's not off the table. And if that's the case, they're not going to give it to Jeff Wilson Jr. 31 times, right? So I don't know. It's really... It, this is a really, really confusing one to parse. And what I'm hoping for is that I can just put this on the back burner of my consciousness for a little while, wait for more news to come out, more definitive statements from the coaching staff. You know, this is a one o'clock game on Sunday, so I'm hoping we hear a little bit more and that uh, and that we don't get frozen with this being the last communication. Because if that's the case, I'm not sure what we're going to do, to be honest. If this is the last communication, you can't do it. And I would be really worried if, like, McKinnon was, like, 75% owned in cash and we just use this news to not do it. And that would make yeah, me absolutely terrified. Now, that we've seen the Niners, they have a running system that allows for multiple backs to just be productive. And they have – they're so scheme-based that I'm actually not so worried about the backup quarterback piece because um, it's not like Jimmy G's, like, some flamethrower. Like, this is not – I, he's better. He's better than Mullins for sure. But they, they, these guys, look, San Francisco survived with these backup quarterbacks in the past. Like, you know, Jimmy G sat out, you know, two seasons ago, but didn't play at all, basically. And they were kind of just like, they, you know, they treaded water with these guys just because their scheme is just built on that. So I don't know. This, we're going to have to wait for some news here. Do you like Jordan Reed still, even with the new quarterback? This is a scheme that does want to throw to the tight end. There's going to be no Kittle. He did see red zone targets last week. So um, I'm on the Jordan Reed thing. Not 
I mean, it's close with cash with Darren Waller, um, just because you get a massive price difference. But uh, Giants, any inch. I mean, Deion Lewis, it looks like he's going to get a lot of the carries. I don't know if it matters. Like, Saquon Barkley couldn't do anything in this offense. Like, is De- Deion Lewis going to just all of a sudden <laughs> start running rampant? They're, the, they're the, you know, arguably the best pound-for-pound pound running back in football had, like, negative yards into the second half behind this All right, so hold on. Line. So there's a couple guys you're asking about at once. So let me start with uh, the Jordan Reed thing. Kittle's not actually officially ruled out for this week yet. Um, he was limited in practice on Wednesday. The expectation from week two was that he would return for this week. So that's a wait and see. If Kittle returns, obviously, then you don't touch anything in that tight end passing game. Um, but that's a wait and see. So I don't, I don't want people to just plug Jordan Reed in uh, on speculation if, if Kittle's not actually out. As far as the Giants running game is concerned, I think it's just a total stay away, right? I yeah. mean, they're huge underdogs. These guys, Lewis and Gallman, when they've been given the reins in the past, have been trash for the most part. So uh, throw that up against the team with the best DVOA in the NFL last season. And I just can't imagine. Like, even if you got definitive word, they were like, Lewis is our every down back. I think it's meaningless. I mean, especially when you have other cheapish running backs that can get you over the hump to play safe guys at other positions no way i'm not i mean even big tournaments i, I can see the argument actually because people will just be totally off it and anything is possible in the nfl right but nah not not touching this at all in any other format the uh the kittle thing's interesting too because there's concerns that metlife stadium where the giants and jets play it's just like an acl um terrorist basically like everyone tears their acl there's been so many like an outsized number of acl and mcl tears on this turf mm-hmm. and I saw a note about Kittle that had said if it wasn't playing in New York, that we'd be more cons- more strongly considered playing. Now, again, all the other guys can go out there and tear their ACLs, but uh, we just don't want Kittle. We don't want Kittle to tear his ACL. So everyone else is fine to go out and do it. Um, but uh, not you. But the rest of you guys, <laughs> but George, you can sit this one out. We don't want to lose you. All right, let's keep going. The uh, the next game we have is the Texans go in and play the Steelers. This game started at minus 5.5 for the Steelers, now down to minus 4. Houston. Uh, you know, they had a tough, really tough schedule to start the season, so I feel bad yeah. for them in some way. But at the same time, haven't looked all that good. The passing game has been rough with no DeAndre Hopkins. Will Fuller, um, I don't I don't know if he's hurt right now or just didn't show. It was just a full no-show. Um, he doesn't have an injury tag on him, but he also just didn't do anything last week, so I'm not exactly sure. Like, he's got to shut down. Yeah, um, yeah. Look, that's that. It's it's tough. Like again, KC and Baltimore back to back weeks is uh, is a rough shout. So uh, thoughts on this game? Watson's a guy we've liked to play in the past. I'm just not sure we're getting enough from this Houston offense at this point to really justify what the price points are for any of these guys. And, and based on it's and still look, the Steelers defense is really good too. So it's not like they're the like, absolutely brutal start to the season for them for from a schedule yeah. perspective. But uh, thoughts on this game? I love Will Fuller in big tournaments. I mean, ten targets week one. Zero in week two. Stuff just happens in the NFL sometimes. Yeah. Like you run into the wrong matchup, quarterback can't find you, game script gets away from you. Zero is not the number you want to see. I mean, I think it shows us pretty demonstrably that he's not stepping into, you know, the DeAndre Hopkins role, for instance, because no matter what, uh, Hopkins would get a couple targets. But yeah, I love him going into this matchup this week. Um, Real quick on him too. They they said he was dealing with a hamstring issue, but he doesn't have an injury like tag yeah. on him. So uh, take that for what it's worth. Um, they said it. You know, I don't know if it's an excuse thing or what, but you really need to report this stuff. It's the the NFL follows this pretty stringently. Short of getting your lung punctured by the team doctor uh, before the game, a la Ty- Tyrod Taylor, like where they just didn't have time to tell anybody that he was on his way to the hospital. The uh, the you know teams 
you're supposed to be really pretty accurate in your reporting. So the fact that he doesn't have a questionable tag on him right now makes me want to trust that he's healthy, even if yeah, there's been I rumors so. that the hamstring is there. So anyway, just wanted to point that out. Yeah, well, they saw the trainer working on him on the sidelines. His snap count was down. Like, there was reason for speculation. But, yeah, given that he's there's no no note at all, right. I, I'm with you there. Um, the running games, I think, going both ways in this game are probably a stay away. You know, one thing that's interesting about the Steelers, we've forever talked about them as a team that just wants to lean into one back. Uh, Connor returned last week and was very effective, uh, but he carried the ball just 16 times. And Benny Snell, and it doesn't sound like much, but Benny Snell still did touch the ball four times off the bench. Snell was awful. Um, so if that's that could be a case for going back to Connor in this game. Uh, Connor just 7,100. He's a guy that if he were healthy, like going into this season, if you knew we were grabbing him at 7,100 as the lead back, in a game where the Steelers were favored, yeah. I think he would be a cash game lock for us. Well, right? okay, so, so let me. T- I don't know if we need to do it this week, but I think for big tournaments, for sure, he should be in your rotation. So let me give you the the case for him here then, because yes, Snell had the the three carries, but Connor played fifty of the sixty snaps. Like Connor was the guy the whole game. Those Snell those Snell yeah. carries were just quick. Like respite kind of things, like, and again he fumbled. He was just trapped. Like he sometimes when you see that, being good the week before. Like sometimes when you see this kind of stuff, you're gonna see like 35, 25 snaps, right? Like that's gonna be sometimes that's gonna be the right. breakdown. Fifty to ten is still that's bell cow material, and so yeah. um, and maybe just like it just didn't materialize in terms of the usage because of it. As, well, the usage was still fine, right? I mean, sixteen carries to three is still still plenty of usage, but it's just like the sixteen. The 18 total touches, and maybe, I don't know, like, you know how this all works. People believe that the best running backs get 20-plus carries a game. They really don't. Like, it just doesn't yeah. often work out that way, um, aside from the very, very rare exceptions. But, yeah, Connor, uh, if he can get if he can get 18 to 20 touches in this game at 7,100, it's pretty enticing. Yeah, that is enticing. Um, we, we'd, be an, we'd be on an absolute cash island for it, so I'm not, no, like... No, you can't do it in like, case, it's interesting, though. I, looking at that snap count more closely has me a little more bullish, especially when I start getting worried about these McKinnons and, like, even Mike Davis's of the world. So, we, we, and we haven't yeah. gotten to that point yet. I mean, we talked about those guys yesterday. Uh, we did talk about Deontay Johnson at length yesterday, so I don't think we need to go back there. Juju, I kind of keep waiting for the targets to come from Ben. They really haven't been there. I mean, he did get targeted eight times. He's been decently efficient um, in a way that Deontay Johnson hasn't. And I I keep wanting to think that the the Juju targets tick up as the season goes along, but um, he's still not back in like that you know second round ADP guy that he went into last year with. I, it didn't materialize, but because of the injuries right. and for everybody, but uh, I'm still kind of dreaming on Juju in a way that I'm not with Deontay Johnson, even though you have to get Deontay Johnson more targets. So anyway, just a, just worth a note that I do think. There's definitely big tournament upside in this game on the Steelers side for sure. Like whether you want to target the like the, you know Juju big game, like you said, James Conner's gonna get no ownership here, and this is kind of the spot that you want to see it in. So yeah, there's I think there's a decent amount to like in this one. Tennessee goes in and plays Minnesota. Minnesota has looked absolutely bottom of the barrel bad to start the season. Kirk Cousins has been about as bad a quarterback as you can be. Dalvin Cook can't do a single thing. Tennessee squeaked out a win last week in Denver. This game started at minus one and a half, but it's actually minus up to minus two and a half for Tennessee on the road. Um, not, it's kind of rare to see road favorites kind of climb like that, but I think it's more people getting on the idea that Minnesota just has real problems here, and whatever you know, whether they're correctable or not um, remains to be seen. Uh, what are your thoughts on this game? We 
you know, we targeted Derrick Henry in the past. Uh, we de- we definitely like Janu last week, who caught a touchdown early, and that, or actually caught two touchdowns, uh, which was kind of caught a, him early and caught him late. Yeah. Good. <laughs> um, you know, we like the Corey Davis, Adam Humphreys piece. I don't know. We'll start with Tennessee, and then we can talk a little bit about Minnesota. Yeah. So I think we we caught lightning in a bottle a little bit with Janu there. Um, you know, he was only targeted five times, so you can't expect him to get two touchdowns on five targets with any sort of frequency. Um, so I, I don't know. The price is ticking up a little bit there. I, I'm happy just to, you know, win the first hand of blackjack and just scoop it and go to the buffet right. when it comes to comes to Johnny. Um, there's also like potential that AJ Brown returns for this game. I don't think it's likely at this point, but if he were to return, I think that just dumpsters the whole Tennessee passing attack. Uh, likewise with Corey Davis, I think we got away with one there. I don't know. I don't think you can really. I think on a team like Tennessee and games where they're favored. And we're not seeing anyone jumping off the page. Probably Derrick Henry is the answer. Henry, I think, is a great play in all formats, perhaps even better than he was last week where he saw 80-plus percent ownership. Uh, it's just a question of whether you just run out of running back slots eventually. Mm-hmm. And there are so many great running back plays this week that maybe he doesn't wind up getting there. But like a guy I know we talked about extensively yesterday was Miles Sanders. Sanders is cheaper than Henry, but not by that much. Right. Um, are you still on... So it's, he's 800 cheaper than Derrick Henry right now in FanDuel. Are you still on the Sanders as the obvious play over Henry, or are you waffling a little bit there? I'm not waffling. I will say that Henry, I was looking at this up this morning, Henry's rushing expectation um, based on the usage and like just like the, the, the plays that were run is dead last in the league. So there's two ways to look at that. One is he's getting unlucky. Two is he's... Got a, he put a ton of miles on last year, yeah. and that just does not work out for running backs. Like it just, it's this is just a time tested thing that when you get a million carries the year before, sometimes mm-hmm. it doesn't rear its ugly head directly right away in the next season, but it isn't long till it does. And there's for every one Adrian Peterson, there's a hundred other guys that these guys just one day fall off a cliff, and you don't see it coming <laughs> until they're already falling down, right? And so yeah. I'm. The part where his expectation is so terrible, and it's not like they've played. And I, by the way, I said they lost Denver. It was uh, they they beat Jacksonville. So I, I misspoke before, but the it's not like they. He just couldn't do anything against Jacksonville. I get that they're frisky. I don't know. I'm a little worried about the usage piece because I know that between the regular season and then the playoffs, where they just rode him to death. Um, like I think he had like you know a hundred carries over the last three weeks of the season or something like that. When when you count the playoffs, <laughs> his his usage would would be cause for concern for me going forward because again this is just what happens to these dudes and yeah, three and a half yards of carry so far right like that's that's real bad and so look they're still getting on the ball and just because you you know just because you fall off the cliff doesn't mean you can't pause for a little bit and kind of take a breath and and you know <laughs> and kind of come back up a little bit but I don't know. Well, yeah, and if the touchdowns get there, right? I think that's the yeah. Look, they they the threw a ton question of, with him. They threw a ton of the red no, zone. They, like they, J- yeah. Janu got the two red zone. Like basically got the two red zone targets there, and they exactly. And if he had eighty five yards rushing but two touchdowns, nobody's talking about. Sure. Ooh, is Derrick Henry done or not? Right. So you know, perhaps we're falling victim to that a little bit, but yeah, I think certainly reason for concern. But in terms of just raw usage, <laughs> it's pretty hard to argue with. I don't know. We'd have to spend forever on Derrick Henry, but. I think it's worth keeping an eye on, um, especially if, you know, we talked about McKinnon sort of getting taken off the table. 
if we have another guy getting taken off the table, I'm, I think I'm back in on going back to Henry for one more week. I will say our projection on him is pretty low relative to, and I'm probably a little low on the, on the carries, and maybe we're just low on Tennessee in general, but the uh, he was a little bit lower than some of these other guys. The targets weren't there. They didn't. They they, they were so efficient in their, their passing touchdowns last week, and you're right. I think that that's not really an expectation we can have going forward. Anyway, I just this is one of those things where if the wheels came off completely, it wouldn't be out of nowhere. It would just be because look, you get a ton of carries, and sometimes that's just what happens to you. Uh, um, anything else from this game, Minnesota side? I, look, I don't know what to do with Cousins and Cook and Thielen. I get that he got some garbage time touchdowns last week against or two in week one against the Green Bay. Cousins was 11 for 26 last week. Like, that is, yeah. that's like the backup got hurt. The, the starter got hurt, the backup got hurt, and they brought in the third string guy, and like that, and he was just forced and to play. And they were down by 20, so they just kind of had to throw. And, and, and yeah, it just like, and he did, and they like didn't know all the plays, like something like that. Like, that's the kind of numbers. Yeah. And and the Colts are fine, but, and I, I don't, it was on turf, it was inside. Like, there's, that's inexcusable to have this kind of game based on, and the Colts aren't the 85 Bears, and you have perfect passing conditions. There's no reason to have this kind of game from a guy who's like a professional quarterback who actually has like dudes. I, it's maybe it's one game, but he sucked in week one too. I, I don't know. I, I I'm I'm completely out on the bike. The Vikings are. I hate to be like this because I hate when people say this. Oh, you got to show it to me, or I'm gonna wait till one. I gotta wait till it kind of. I, I wait till I see it. I, that's how I definitely feel about the for that Vikings. offense. Absolutely, that's totally fair. Because the other thing is when Cousins is falling apart like that, it's not like defenses need to respect it and cook. You know, he's a guy that we ran out many times at this price point last season. Another guy who had a lot of lot of touches on his body last season. And he's been recent reasonably effective, but they just can't give him the ball. So right. I don't think you can pay eighty six hundred. Now the Vikings are a total stay away. Okay. Uh Bears go in and play oh no, excuse me, skip the game here. Uh Bengals go in and play the Eagles. Eagles six and a half point favorites. We talked at length about Miles Sanders. I don't think we're gonna go back down there. He's a cash lock for us this week. Um that one is pretty much set in stone, uh short of just some kind of news, which I don't think we're going to get. They did lose Jalen Rieger here. Deshaun Jackson, we loved him in week one. Didn't yeah. really materialize because they kind of limited his snap count, but then it kind of bounced back in week two. His he's another one like in the old average intended air yards guy. That's uh <laughs> guys' systems have liked a lot. So he went six for sixty four, but did lead the team in targets. Did we look, we loved them to we loved them to start the week, and it kind of ended up being just like a snaps thing. And that just wasn't the case here. He played, you know, eighty percent of the snaps in week two. Uh, Deshaun Jackson, we did talk about D- Dallas Goddard, uh, with no Rieger there as we continued to like, just have these guys get hurt. Um, can we go back to Deshaun Jackson and cash or is just kind of just more of a GPP option? Yeah, probably a little bit risky for cash, but I think for big tournaments, sure. Like, you know, nine targets last week, seven the week before, even though he didn't ultimately get there on the price. I, I think he's just a good option. Um, you know, again, a guy whose price is held down by the fact that he hasn't turned any of these explosive receptions into a touchdown just yet. So I, I don't see any reason why not. I mean, he could get game scripted out a little bit if Philly gets up and just is holding on to the lead. But he's so cheap, he really doesn't need to do much to justify paying 5500 for him. Yeah, uh, I totally agree. And I just sent you a text by mistake, so that's going to stay in the thing. That was meant to be a text for my wife. So um, if you just, I saw you look look away to your phone, but that was that's meant to be my wife. So I'm going to need another 30 minutes on the podcast at least. All right. Uh, yeah, I totally agree on the Eagles piece of it. Uh, Bengals side, Joe Burrow looked feisty against Cleveland uh, last week. They didn't weren't able to pull out the win, but it wasn't for lack of trying. That game ended up staying pretty close. He threw the ball a ton, 61 times. wasn't all that efficient but that seems like it's probably going to be a theme for a Bengals team that's going to be playing from behind this year 
ran the ball seven times also. That was mostly just kind of scrambling stuff. And then A.J. Green had 13 targets. Uh, that's the good news. So that's good. <laughs> <laughs> that was the good news piece of it. Uh, the bad news was he only caught three of those balls. Which do you want to take here? Because, look, 13 targets out of 60, you got you to take the passing attempts into account here because um, 13 targets looks like a lot, and it's very unlikely that a quarterback will continue to throw 60 target 60 yards a game Jesus, 60 um, attempts a game what do you make here of a Bengals offense that's probably gonna be paying, playing for behind the whole season yeah I'm not gonna play any of these guys I'm pretty sure um, you know incidentally getting a good quarterback has also kind of killed Joe Mixon's role which was just hand me the ball 20 times right. while we try to speed up the end of the game uh, Tyler Boyd kind of interesting he's been one of Burrow's only efficient targets this season uh, he's hauled in 11 of the 13 passes thrown his way. Not turning those into tons of yard, but he did score a touchdown against the Browns. I don't know. I don't. I think there's big tournament potential here. You know, A.J. Green in the past was talented enough that if you could get 13 targets out of him, you really expect any line to be possible. But he's, like, getting kind of old now, right? I mean, he's a guy that was a top, you know, two-round pick in season-long leagues in the past, but it's been a while since yeah. he's been that, so... Yeah, I think uh, I think I'm just off the Bengals. I don't see any reason to speculate on this team personally. Just I don't mind Drew. Let him be bad. And- Look, CJ Azumwa is out for the season with the Achilles. Drew Sample came in and did have the second most targets on the team with nine last week. Seven for, okay. went for seven for forty five. If you're just looking to, you know, get out of tight end cheap, which is typically what we want to do, um, he is only thirty five hundred on DraftKings, and I think he's only. He might only be 4,500 on FanDuel. Let me look real quick. Uh, he is 4,800 on FanDuel. That's not bad uh, for a guy who pr- is definitely just going to take the tight end snaps and at least after one game was shown to just be a guy that Burrow was looking for. So uh, definitely rank him behind a lot of the other guys we discussed already. But as a punt play, if you're looking at, to get out of a bad position cheap, uh, I, I don't mind it there. All right, uh, Bears go in and play the Falcons. Falcons, I mentioned on the podcast yesterday that just from watching the game that it looked like Julio was not at full speed, and then it came out that he was dealing with an issue. So it's like one of those times where the, your eyes didn't betray or did betray me mm. um, from a Julio Jones aspect because it just didn't look like there was any hope of him ever catching a ball in that game. He just looked so slow. <laughs> so um, we talked about Calvin Ridley. Seeing the, the note on Julio, does that have you even more bullish on Ridley? He was a guy that we've been kind of – you know, we weren't sure about because it's hard to sustain a lot of these targets in the offense. And at the same time, if Julio is just hampered slash hurt, I mean, if he sat, then Ridley's a clear play. I think we probably play Ridley end gauge if uh, if uh, he's hurt. But mm. what are your thoughts here, knowing that he just is at least dealing with an injury? Yeah, Julio's funny, man, because he'll go into these weeks with no injury tag, do nothing. Then you get the injury thing. Then he's limited in practice. Then he comes in and gets 200 yards receiving, yeah. right? Like we've had that happen in the past, too. So I just need more definitive news on Julio before I, I guess, make any grand declarations here. Yeah, makes total sense. Um, I think, and I, I don't know if we're going to get it. And if he goes in there and is just questionable again, I think that we can still probably feel pretty confident with Ridley. And this is just one of these situations that stinks. And you wish you would just have all the information on some of these guys, and you just don't always have it. All right, let's keep rolling through some of these games. Uh, still have a decent amount to cover. Jets go in and play the Colts. Jonathan Taylor's a guy we talked about at length. He's minus 10.5 favorite Colts here at home. Uh, probably a cash game lock, probably a chalk play based on the usage. Don't need to get too much down the road about him uh, again just because, I don't know, we just talked about it at length yesterday, um, and there's really nothing else to say about this. The Jets, no Jamison Crowder, no Le'Veon Bell, no real team. Uh, I think you can play the Colts' defense. I, I don't really know 
that's kind of really all I want to go. That's all the places I really want to go with this game. Is that fair? It's like kind of tailor or bust. Well, yeah, the jet, the Jets for cash games are a stone cold stay away. Frank Gore did have twenty one carries last game. Uh, definitely emerged as the heir to this crappy running game, <laughs> but it's not obviously not worth anything in cash games. But you know, for big tournaments, there's certainly a world where he punches in a touchdown or something and kind of gets you over the hump. Uh, on the Colts side, moderately interesting news is that Paris Campbell hit the IR and he was, you know, getting a lot of targets among the wide receivers. T.Y. Hilton's still very cheap. He only had five targets last week against Minnesota. Obviously, the Colts didn't really need him, but just a situation to monitor, you know, where those extra targets are going to go because Phillip Rivers is at least confident and there are guys on this team that have shown flashes in the past. So, um, yeah, just something to keep an eye on. All right, Panthers go in and play the Chargers the four, into the 4 o'clock games here, by the way. The Colts were there, too. Uh, the uh, Chargers are 6.5-point home favorites. Justin Herbert's going to get the start again this week after Tyrod Taylor took that needle to the lungs uh, as part of the pain injection last week. We talked about Mike Davis as a possible cash game play only because he's taking over for Christian McCaffrey. This is definitely not where you want to be with running backs in terms of cash. And if the receptions are going to be there, I think you can kind of squint and see it, but I really probably want to prioritize these more known quantities almost every single time. So that's something we discuss as we get into final cash game builds. The Chargers side, they clearly they just want to run the ball a ton. It's not going to be all Austin Eckler. Um, they, Joshua Kelly got a million carries last week. I don't know. Yeah, 23 carries in his 43 snaps. Eckler did outsnap him 47 to 27. They combined for 49 carries, um, and if, if, over 50 if you throw in Herbert's carries. Um any thoughts here on the running? I mean, definitely a home favorite like this is where we want to do the running game, but I, I hate these snap counts for cash games. Oh, yeah. I mean, Kelly out-touched Eckler as well, and Eckler was very effective on the... you got to be going absolutely crazy if you have Eckler in season long right now, too, because he's been so effective on his touches, but then Joshua Kelly comes out of nowhere and is out-touching him right now. Uh, you got to stay away for cash games. I think that's a no-brainer. Definitely a situation to monitor for sure, but not you're not going to just plug either of these guys in and just hope that you just continue to get what you've seen so far. You like to see the Keenan Allen 10 targets um, from a new quarterback. I think that's yeah. something you can kind of hang your hat on a little bit uh, just because, I don't know, it just matters to get double-digit targets from a guy who just hit the field for the first time. It wasn't even expected to play. So yeah, I do Hunter like Henry's that. a name that's come up for us at tight end as well. Eight targets yeah. now in back-to-back weeks in spite of the quarterback change. So. Yeah, so like that, definitely kind of can get into the probably get into the Chargers. Defense here as well. We talked at length about DJ Moore and Robbie Anderson on the podcast yesterday, so go back and listen to our cash game thoughts about those guys. Uh, Lions go in and play the Cardinals. Kyler Murray is a guy we talked about a ton. Kyler Murray is close to a cash lock for us. There are a couple. You know, We have Cam in there. I don't mind Josh Allen, but Kyler has just been so amazing. Go back and listen to those thoughts uh, if you if you want more there. Um, same with DeAndre Hopkins. Just the target share is so outsized that um, I kind of want to just stack both and feel like that those that has a pretty high floor to it. Uh, I do like the over for this game. It started at uh, 53. It's at the 54 and a half. I like it a little less at 54 and a half. Got it at 53. So if you can still find it there, um, do like the over. Any thoughts here? Kenny Galladay still has an injury tag for the Lions. Um, this 24 and a half for the Lions feels way too high. But um, I was getting the over mostly on the on the Cardinal side. But what are your thoughts on this game? Yeah, I like the Cardinals pieces you discussed. Uh, Kenyon Drake is getting a lot of carries too. Hasn't been as effective as the passing game. And you just know he's going to lose touchdowns to Kyler Murray. So, you know, in the old not all carries are created equally camp. I can't get too excited about that. And on the Lions side, I just can't get excited about anything at all. 
Uh, Marvin Jones Jr. gets the touchdown, but he's still floundering in the overall target share. Just nothing to see there. Yeah, um, like look, if, if Galladay was still not there, I Jones was still kind of a guy I wanted to play, but the the team has just looked rough. I like just not a very good team. That's just the that's just the bottom line. Like they what's it? Amendola and Jones had 13 targets. They combined for 44 total yards last week. That's just garbage. I don't really know another way to yeah, put it. So terrible. Um, like I said, don't mind the over for this because I think that there's probably there's a case that this game you know is played at a decent pace, and I think that the Cardinals are really going to rack it up, but. Um, yeah, it's mostly it's mostly just favoring stuff uh, on the Cardinal side, I, and I do think there's upside on Kenyon Drake if they just lean on him more because they just want to save some of Murray's reps in a game that kind of they have in hand. I do think that Kenyon Drake has upside in a game like this. Uh, I just don't want to trust it for cash. Dallas goes in and plays the Seahawks. Dallas comes out of last week with sort of a miracle win over the Falcons. Seahawks kind not a miracle, but in some ways we're a little bit lucky to pull off the W this game is a crazy high total at 55 and a half mm. uh, let's start on the Dallas side guys like Zeke I, I don't know if you can do it at first price point in cash but um you know he's they're still giving him the ball a ton he touched the ball 29 times last week against Atlanta uh, for he had 89 on the ground and then 33 through the air did score uh, a rushing touchdown they had to pass a ton because they were playing catch up the whole game. You've talked a little about Dalton Schultz. We talked a little about Amari Cooper. They have CeeDee Lamb got nine targets. I, there's so many guys here that I'm just like, I, I like them all. And from a cash game perspective, I there's it feels like there's so many worlds where you pick you can just pick the wrong guy in this game, right? <laughs> like that's just kind of, does that make yeah, sense? That's how I'm I feel. Yeah. I think big total is always enticing. A lot of times teams with big totals, it's because they have so many great options that they can give the ball to. And you know, kind of these public teams that see a lot of ownership. Uh, both Cooper and Zeke saw big cash game ownership last week. And C.D. Lamb has been, a, you know, a prospector's darling uh, since the moment he was drafted as well. So I, I don't know that there, you're really seeing a whole heck of a lot of value in this one. Uh, Lamb is interesting. I, I do get interested in young receivers when I see the target share increasing. But that Atlanta game was so strange that I don't know that you can really learn too much about anything from that one. So... I, uh, yeah, I'm cautiously optimistic about him. Certainly love him if you have him in a season-long league. I just don't know if you're getting value for cash games, and I don't know if you're getting separation in big tournaments either because everyone and their mother is excited about this Cowboys team. So I don't know how much. I mean, I could see playing Cooper again, but outside of him, I don't know if I'm going to be running any Cowboys in cash. Yeah, they're underdogs. Look, they're going to play from behind again. They've struggled a little bit on the defensive end to start the season, so it stands to reason that's going to happen. Uh, Seahawks have had no problem airing it out to start the to start the year. They just, you know, for a team that wanted to only run uh, for years and years and years with Russ, they kind of just unleashed him this season. And we mentioned him as a cash game possibility. He only had a throw twenty eight times last week. Uh, did run the ball five times. But this is a guy, look, he's just throwing a million touchdowns. He's nine touchdowns to one interception through two games. That's about as good as you could ever be. That's a college football. Those are the college football stats, frankly. Um, to throw right. four and a half touchdowns a game through two weeks is is like what Baylor <laughs> Baylor was doing like in you know five years ago in those air raid offenses or like Texas Tech these air raid offenses. Like that just really doesn't happen in the NFL. I, it, it, it's it's unlikely to sustain. I'll say that. Yeah, and I would say that. And it's a good sign that he's just so ultra efficient, even when he does pass the ball, that he's just able to turn this stuff into points really, really easily. So um, still like Russ, probably don't like him as much as some of the other, like the Cams and the Kylers of the world based on price. Uh, but then, you know, what? It, he only had to throw 28 times last week. They did run the ball with Carson a little bit more. The target share for Lockett is still there at eight targets through, you know, eight combined, no, excuse me, eight targets a game through the first two weeks. Did catch a touchdown last week, Metcalf. Their targets, even if the target share is not high, they're such good targets that I still 
like them. Does that make sense? Like, you yeah. know, eight targets for Tyler Lockett is much different than eight targets for, I don't know, A.J. Green, I guess we would say. Or Terry McLaurin or something. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's a good example. Terry McLaurin's a good example of, like, yeah, of a much different eight targets for going to both guys. Mm-hmm. Oh, sorry. Do you have any thoughts no, on that? No, I'm, I'm in agreement. <laughs> yeah, I, I thought you had more to say there. Yeah, my bad. Yeah, I think uh, it's it will be interesting. I do think, for me, Metcalf seems a little bit like a stay away in big tournaments. People, he's just so he's actually so good and he's so explosive and he's been so efficient so far it's really tough even with a great quarterback to continuously turn six targets a game into 17 fantasy points a game so I'm expecting some regression there either regression or an increase in target share but you can never just pencil someone in for an increase in target share so I'm assuming regression instead um, was that your alarm to start TJ Metcalf in a in piece? <laughs> yeah yeah, there were better alarm jokes you could have made there, but yes, it was an alarm. Um, it was actually an alarm, Doug, to reimburse you for the mic you had to buy for our podcast. Oh, that was a brutal day yesterday. My mic just <laughs> my mic just totally the sound. You listen to the Cash Game podcast; it sounds terrible because I might figure out my microphone had broken. Yeah, by yeah, the way, yeah. uh, I'm not gonna tell the whole story, but microphones very difficult to buy now. Everyone in the world now that they're home doing schooling or working from home, uh, no microphones available in the world. I found out quickly yesterday that uh, was able to find the last one in New Jersey and was able to go get it anyway. And yeah, people but, launching their own podcast, Doug. This is the era of podcasts. I did one of the more hilarious. Uh, tweets i saw recently was it's a picture of meadow soprano and tony soprano Uh and it's a scene when she's asking him like dad are you in the mafia and it's it's dubbed over with dad did you have a podcast and he's just like looking straight forward (laughs) i just die laughing that's pretty good yeah as a guy who started a few podcasts in his day i can uh i can understand i can understand the pull understand the pull to do a bunch of different podcasts about a bunch of different things no no doubt buddy i'm right there with you all right um let's finish this thing off tampa goes in and plays denver tampa six point favorites on the road here against uh, a broncos team who's really been crushed by injuries in their own right to start the season. They lost Philip Lindsay. Now they lost Drew Locke. They lost uh, Cortland Sutton. Uh, they've been pretty brutalized. Tampa, we love them um, as, excuse me, we love the Panthers going the other way as the plus nine from last week. Still feeling the sting of that. I I got to tell you, before we get the DS thing, this line is wrong. There's So <laughs> I, I looked over the last three years. There's only been three plus or minus six or higher favorites going into Denver ever. Like this is over mm. three, three years. And I get like, okay, yeah, it's different teams. When you take a larger sample size, you do kind of just even out some of the part where the teams are good or bad, right? <laughs> like, or like the injuries and all this other stuff. The reason. Well, yeah. Is- and especially when you, when you view the, the people that are the, the teams that are the favorites, I think that's, yeah, go ahead. Right. Exactly. So the reason is one of the reasons is it's really hard to go into Denver and play. Right. Like right. it's just it's just a total change of scenery in terms of the altitude. And of those games, there was 13 times where the over the last three years where teams went. And I know this is going to sound like this crazy like stat that like my wife always makes fun of when you hear on, on the TV. But like, oh, they just came up with this crazy stat like the who, who it was Tuesday night when it's you know raining out. And, there was and they've been four. down by 17 points. But in this one, I think it's point. material because there is a real thing happening here, which is that. This is a much different place to play than anywhere else. We see it with the Nuggets in basketball. We've seen it for years with Denver, uh, the Broncos, the Rockies. I mean. Yeah, like it's just it's just a different team. To play. It's just a different place to play. And yeah. of those times where they were these oh, these road favorites came in, they're five and eight against the spread, and the Broncos just won five of those games outright. Okay, so mm-hmm. I'm using this as an example to say yes, those teams are different, but Vegas didn't view it differently, right? Like the view of the game going into it was Denver was underdogs. So it doesn't matter who the personnel is at that point, right? <laughs> like it just the personnel is just the personnel. They were viewed as the underdog, 
and they just won five of those 13 games outright and were covering the spread at a, a much higher rate than you would you know, they, a rate that you would love to just be able to bet for. I love this Denver side of it, and I get that it's like Jeff Driscoll and all this stuff. Yeah, that, that, that's the thing I was going to say. The, the concern here is that you're getting a backup quarterback, and I would wonder how many of those games were they six-point dogs, although they've had some bad quarterbacks. They've been playing with absolute <laughs> bums at quarterback for these last yeah, three sure. years. Like, this is like Flacco, and like they brought in Locke, and I can't remember yeah, who they... Sure. Like, uh, Trevor Simeon. Like, there's... It's not like they've been trotting out peak Peyton Manning for these years. Like, this has been bad quarterback no, you central. Me. You convince me. I'm betting the, I'm betting the Broncos right well, now. Well, this is, again, this again, like, the public thing on, t- on the Brady is still real. And I get that they covered last week and whatever you want to say. Like, I don't want to do, like, the well, gamblers. Yeah, the, the miracle touchdown at the end. I don't think you can take a victory lap on that. If you Carolina got stopped at the five on their last drive. They were going to easily cover if they just get in and they just couldn't, like, they just couldn't get in in the, in the last two possessions. Like, yeah. Again, this is like the old gambler thing. Oh, if I just had a couple more cracks and bites of the apple, I would have won all my bets. But like this is, I I don't know. This struck me as a real thing. Like going into Denver is very hard. I can't imagine it gets any harder as you get older or it gets any easier as you get older. I guess they're going to gobble back. I bet Denver plus six here. I'm not willing to go the outright here, but I think that there's enough evidence to say that going into playing here is very difficult Mm -hmm. in a way that hasn't been totally recognized. And we're getting a public team going in there. So it just strikes me as this is the bet. I, I, this is my favorite bet of the week. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you. I think that's great reasoning. Uh, obviously, for DFS purposes, I'm just totally off the Broncos from top to bottom. I can't imagine any reason why you would play any of these guys. And likewise, going the other way, uh, Godwin coming back kind of kills any interest I have in the Bucks passing game, especially. I, I'm waiting for the other shooter drop with Brady personally. Like. You know, it's just not like the man. He's an old man at this point. He's in his mid forties, and at some point, you just can't keep it up. Um, yeah, I, I can't see any reason to touch this game for DFS. I mean, there's really no shoe to drop. He just hasn't like really been very good. Uh, there's uh, six- yeah, well, I, and I guess I'm, I'm what I'm saying is more like I'm waiting for that to be more publicly understood yeah. because it kind of reminds me of Peyton Manning when Peyton Manning was clearly cooked, right? But Denver was was just good, and people were like. You got to squint to see it. Well, he's managing the game now. He's like doing. It's like actually no. He's just trash now. He's just bad. Right. So, and the, the team is so good that they can keep winning in spite of him, not because of him. And Brady last week in this game where they were nine point favorites, presumably against a bad team, you think twenty three of thirty five for two seventeen. Like, give me a break. This is not. Yeah, like this is not exciting. It's got like a twentieth best completion completion percentage. He doesn't run at all, yeah. uh, which in the NFL now you just kind of have to do to be a really effective quarterback. One to one touchdown to interception rate. Like, I don't know. If the guy wasn't named Tom Brady, we there's, there's no way this line would be plus minus six. I, there's no there's no no chance. And by the way, it, it'd be probably more in their favor to have it be on anyone than Tom Brady possibly. <laughs> so like, I just don't. I don't know. I don't. I don't see it. I, I like the plus six. I'm prepared to have my heart broken again. All right, we're gonna get out of here. DailyFantasySportsRankings.com is the site. DFSR.com for short. Head on over to the site. You get optimal lineups for FanDuel and DraftKings. Uh, all the content that we're putting out there. Members-only chat room. It's all covered under one subscription. That's DFSR.com slash deals. You get it for a free trial now, and then you get it for just $29.95 a month. You're not going to find a better deal than that. Again, most accurate uh, projections in the business last week. So, anyway, go find a better deal. You're not going to find it. DFSR.com slash deals. Buddy, enjoy your week three in the NFL. we Will do.